You are listening to the most comprehensive source for news and views about today's unions. This is LaborUnionNews.com's Labor Relations Radio and your host, Peter List. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Hey, thanks for turning on and tuning in to Labor Relations Radio. So this is the first in a series of episodes on the war on independent contractors, and we'll probably only do three or four episodes about this. But if you're just catching up on the war on independent contractors or the war on the gig economy, last week, the Department of Labor issued its final rules on what constitutes independent contractors versus employees. And as it affects about 60 to 70 million Americans who get either part or all of their income as freelancers, gig workers, or independent contractors, those names are interchangeable, it has a propensity to affect a lot of people. And so our first guest in the series on the war on independent contractors is a returning guest, Congressman Kevin Kiley. And he is one of the staunchest defenders of the ability for people to choose how they work. And that includes the ability to be independent contractors. So without further ado, here's Congressman Kiley. You are listening to Labor Relations Radio. Well, Congressman Kiley, welcome back to Labor Relations Radio. It's good to see you again. Good to be with you. Thank you. So you have been all over the place recently. I've seen you on Twitter. I've seen you, I've listened to a podcast you did this morning. Uh, I think you did it in the last couple of days, but I, I listened to that. And we seem to be, since you've been on, you were on in May, and we had talked about the kind of hypothetical with the DOL coming out with the six-part rule. Well, the hypothetical seems to be reality now. Uh, that's right. And, uh, you know, we kind of knew this was coming, uh, unfortunately. Uh, and now the, the day that we have been, uh, you know, dreading uh, has arrived uh, where the administration has announced this uh, sort of, uh, you know, vaguely defined amorphous new policy that uh, seems uh, designed to uh, nationalize the AB5 experience uh, that California has had. Uh, and uh, while there's, you know, a lot of uncertainty in terms of the language, the vagueness of this policy, the very fact that they've brought in uh, Julie Su, uh, the architect and chief enforcer of AB5, uh, to enforce uh, this uh, new rule and have, uh, you know, set forth factors that are very much uh, imitating uh, some of the factors in AB5 and then have left enough uh, room, uh, enough vagueness and discretion to really give a lot of power to the enforcer. Uh, it just leaves no doubt that this is intended to do and will do uh, the same thing that AB5 did in California, and that's absolutely uh, devastate uh, freelancers, independent contractors uh, in hundreds of professions and could uh, potentially cost millions of uh, jobs uh, or other you know, work arrangements across the country. So let me ask you some questions, because I can't quite get an answer to this. AB5, when it was enacted in California, there were exemptions built into it. That's correct. And then, and then the legislature out there went back and built in more exemptions. That's right. And then I think you had Prop 22, which also exempted the rideshare companies, right? That's right. So given that this is coming from the DOL, 
And it does not appear to be that there's any exemptions in the, I think it's 369 pages in the rule. What happens to the exemptions that were built into AB5 out in California? Do they go away? Well, that's a great question. I mean, they won't go away necessarily, as at least as far as AB5 is concerned. But now there will be uh, a, another layer of regulation, a, a nationwide uh, policy uh, that does not contain exemptions. So even those uh, professions that were fortunate enough to get carved out of AB5 uh, will now have to be wary uh, of this new national Department of Labor rule uh, that they will be subject to. Uh, so that's why, you know, in some ways the the impact of this is going to be even more uh, far-reaching than AB5 was because you're going to have all of these additional uh, professions uh, in California that suddenly uh, now are ensnared by it. Right. And so the the AB5, which puts into effect the ABC test, and it's the Part B that seems to be so troubling with the ABC test. Mm-hmm. In the six-part rule, I think it's number four or five, you know, in the six parts, that seems to be about the same as the B part of the ABC test, right? Yeah, the language is very similar, and it's really the one uh, that sweeps in, uh, you know, uh, many, many, if not most, kinds of independent contractors. Right, and I'm I'm just trying to process if you've got the federal agency DOL coming out and enforcing this thing, and then you've got this a state with a bunch of exemptions, whether it's California or New Jersey or wherever. Does that not supersede the state exemptions, which is going to be even more devastation for your state? Right. Well, the the effect of it um, will be because even if you know you're not going to be subject to liability under AB five, um, if you are going to be subject to liability uh, under this Department of Labor rule, then you know you're going to be uh, harmed just as well, and uh, you're right. potentially going to lose your ability to earn a living, or you're going to have you know hiring entities who will no longer want to work with you uh, because they can't take that risk uh, of being found liable and being you know, uh, fined or shut down or whatever the case may be uh, under the federal standards. So the sum and substance of it, the ultimate effect of it will be to sudden to basically eliminate uh, the benefit of those exemptions. Right. That's kind of where I've been going with this, and I just haven't been able to get a clear answer. The other question is, and I know, and this kind of diverts a little bit from the independent contractor conversation, but I know that there's the effort on the joint employer thing coming through the NLRB to use the Congressional Review Act mm-hmm. to, I think, reverse it. Um, are you doing the same thing with the independent contractor rules? Uh, yes, I am. We have that all teed up uh, and ready to go. Uh, it's just a matter of uh, we have to wait until uh, the administration has uh, transmitted uh, the new rule to Congress, which is when it actually takes effect, and they haven't done that just yet. It'll happen you know, any day now. Uh, and so as soon as that happens, uh, I'm going to introduce this legislation under the Congressional Review Act, which is a fast-track uh, procedure uh, for Congress to undo a regulation that has been uh, you know, adopted by an administrative agency. Okay, so now my question to that is also procedural. If it passes, like it did pass the House on the joint employer issue with the NLRB, so that passed the House, does that now go to the Congress, or I'm sorry, to the uh, Senate? 
Yes, it does. So in order for uh, this to work, you have to have the House pass it, the Senate pass it, and the president has to sign it. So, you know, whether we could get Biden to sign this, uh, obviously, that's an open question. Uh, but um, at the very least, we can use this to, to hopefully push back in a bipartisan way uh, and then have, you know, uh, either create enough pressure that Biden will feel compelled to sign it. Uh, and short of that, you know, a new president hopefully signing it, uh, you know, when there's that opportunity. So, and that's kind of where I'm going. If it does take the Senate, at least with the joint employer issue, Biden has come out and said he would veto anything coming out of the Congress, right? Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if you could get a veto-proof majority in the Senate with 33, I think it was, senators signing on to the, the independent contractor issue. Well, I don't know that you could get a veto-proof majority, but what we have seen is that Biden has threatened to veto things before, but then there was enough uh, support for them that he ultimately ended up signing them. So I think that if we could build enough uh, support, you know, if it creates enough pressure from people who say, look, this is going to destroy my livelihood, and so their senator, their representative sign on and say, we can't have this, that's going to put the president, uh, you know, in a very uh, difficult position. Uh, and uh, he's going to realize that there's going to be a political cost to vetoing uh, this CRA. And so if we could actually build that kind of coalition, I think it could potentially force his hand, or at the very least, uh, could bring uh, you know, greater attention to the issue and hopefully uh, get us in a position uh, to get this reversed uh, if there is a change in leadership at the White House. You know, it's interesting, um, and I know you know some of the same people I know from Fight for Freelancers, and I'm, I was on their Facebook page recently. How this crosses party lines mm. is fascinating because there is a comment from one of the freelancers affected saying, you know, I've never considered voting for the other side, meaning Republicans, but this has become a single issue voter in that case. Mm-hmm. It's you know, uh, destroying livelihoods. Well, absolutely. It's, you know, if, if this is, uh, you know, if your entire ability to earn a living, your career that you've worked on for years and decades that you've built up, you've put, you know, blood, sweat and tears into, uh, and then all of it is just stripped from you with a single stroke of a pen, I don't think you really care who, whether it's a Democrat or a Republican uh, who did this. Uh, it is that is a matter of your basic livelihood, and so of course there's going to be, I think, uh, pushback from uh, from all sides, and that's why you've seen that the response uh, to AB five has been overwhelmingly uh, nonpartisan in terms of people fighting back against it, and I think that's what you're going to see here as well. Well, I know it's it's been difficult to study the actual impacts of. AB5 out in California. Hey, I'm sorry. uh, Can we pause one sec? I have to go do a quick vote. Sure. We're doing this recorded, right? Yep. Okay, sorry. I'll be back in just a minute. Okay. So we're back. Anyway, we're talking about independent contractors and the six-part test coming out. So aside from the Congressional Review Act, is there another way to stop this? Or is it just... Well, sure. There's, uh, you know, a few different things. I mean, number one is, um, is of course, the Congressional Review Act and just trying to get the Congress to reverse the policy. Uh, a second uh, tool is the power of the purse. So I actually already have uh, gotten language into one of the appropriations bills uh, saying that uh, the Department of Labor isn't allowed to spend any money enforcing this rule. So if we were able to actually get that into the, the final bill that gets signed by the president, 
then that would uh, really defang uh, the uh, the rule and uh, limit its effect, basically make it a dead letter. So that's another avenue. Uh, there's also lawsuits going on. There's a couple now uh, that you're aware of, of course, uh, You know, one of which is the Fright for Freelancers lawsuit uh, being led by the Pacific Legal Foundation, which is exactly who you'd want uh, you know, leading this lawsuit. Uh, and uh, they're challenging uh, the, uh, the rule on a number of grounds based upon its vagueness, for example, based on the agency uh, overreaching its authority, as, all, as well as based upon um, Julie Sue's uh, dubious uh, legal uh, status as the acting secretary uh, of labor. She's held that role now for almost a year, and the Senate has declined to confirm her. Uh, so there's some serious legal questions as to whether she can continue uh, to stay in that position. So, you know, hopefully one way or another, we will either, uh, you know, stop or or seriously limit uh, the impact of this policy. But the more people that we can get involved, the more people that can speak out, uh, I think the greater our chances. So for everyone who's listening, I'd absolutely, uh, it's very important that you continue to share your story, how you'll be affected, contact your representative, uh, look to uh, for opportunities to be in the media. Uh, to write op-eds and letters to the editor, uh, to join with others for, uh, you know, rallies and uh, other things that we're going to be doing uh, to make it very clear uh, that this is a policy that is going to have devastating consequences and that has enormous opposition. And may not have exemptions as California did, right? That's right. And when we talk about contacting representatives, that includes House representatives as well as senators. That's right. Absolutely. And, and we may have some people on the Democratic side that are not all for killing independent contractors' jobs, hopefully. <laughs> well, I would hope. And, you know, handful. you did have a handful of people who voted for the CRA on the joint employer rule. Uh, you also had, you know, at least a few Democrat senators who were against the nomination of Julie Sue, which is why that didn't uh, go forward. So, uh, you know, there are some signs that maybe we could build a bipartisan coalition here. And as you mentioned earlier, in terms of the actual people who are affected, I mean, that transcends all sorts of party lines. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm seeing a lot more people since the rule was published, um, not to go into effect until March 11th, I believe it is, but I'm seeing a lot more people online, like all of a sudden standing up saying, oh, this impacts me too. That's right. Absolutely. And this is what we saw with AB5 is that, you know, when it was being uh, proposed and voted on the legislature, yeah, there were people who were opposed then, but it was really after it took effect and suddenly it became uh, a stark reality for people where just like that, they lost their entire uh, livelihood. Uh, That's when the opposition really, really ramped up and, uh, you know, became this movement to, to overturn the law. And, you know, our odds were stacked pretty high in California, given the nature of that legislature, but we have a much more balanced playing field uh, at the national level. So I think that, you know, if we can, uh, the more people who are affected, the stronger I think the movement to get this uh, reversed is going to grow. And, you know, ultimately what I would like to do is to have it culminate uh, in actually, you know, enshrining the right to earn a living uh, in a, uh, you know, in in law, in federal law, so that you can't have, uh, you know, an agency try to impose something like this ever again. Right. Are you aware of the uh, Supreme Court case that is challenging? I believe it's the Chevron doctrine. It's Mm -hmm. up at the court now. Does this have any kind of impact on it, on the independent contractor issue like that case? 
Yeah, whether, I mean, it's possible that could provide a new uh, sort of avenue uh, to challenge something like this. It certainly, uh, you know, would uh, provide a, a much, uh, you know, greater ability to challenge uh, administrative actions uh, by agencies because it would say uh, that we're no longer going to defer to their interpretation uh, of of a statute. And this is what uh, up uh, overturning Chevron would do, but we don't know that that's the way the court's going to go. Uh, that right. certainly, I think, remains to be seen. But um, I think all in all, we do need to move away from uh, this paradigm where we've given agencies and the executive branch, uh, the administrative state, so much power. I mean, this independent contract rule is a prime example of this. This could upend millions of people's livelihoods without Congress ever even voting on the matter. Right. And depending on the source, it's upwards of 60 to 70 million people that earn a exactly. form of their income based on 1099 or independent contractor work. That's right. Well, Congressman Kylie, what else are you up to? I, like I said before, I see you everywhere, you know, on social media, et cetera. Sure. Well, I mean, there's a lot going on right now, um, but I think this battle is going to be uh, absolutely front and center uh, for me. And I'm actually the, the chair of the subcommittee that has jurisdiction uh, over this issue. It's called the Subcommittee on, on Workforce Protections. Uh, so, you know, keep your eye out for a hearing we're going to be having uh, relatively soon uh, on this topic. We did one last year as well, but now that the rule has been finalized, I think we're really going to uh, you know, uh, try to illustrate as clearly as possible what it's going to mean for people. Uh, and, uh, you know, we absolutely need to uh, fight things like this joint employer rule as well and uh, any number of other policies we have coming from this Labor Department that are really going after small businesses and the ability and entrepreneurs uh, and the ability of people uh, to, you know, pursue their calling and practice their profession. And so uh, I'm going to fight for uh, a pro-worker, pro-small business uh, approach that will, uh, you know, catalyze economic growth and expand opportunity, uh, which is unfortunately exactly the opposite of what we're seeing right now from this administration. Right. And it, it might behoove us to kind of talk about why, why are the Democrats and the union movement pushing this restriction on independent contractors? Well, I think there's, you know, different explanations that you can come up with uh, in terms of uh, the way they prefer the economy uh, to be structured, uh, the, I guess, philosophical differences uh, between those who think we ought to have, uh, you know, economy that is open where people can uh, sort of make their own way and pursue their own profession calling on their own job arrangements on their own terms and those who would prefer a much more uh, rigid, uh, you know, one size fits all approach. I think there are certainly uh, special interests that uh, very uh, strongly uh, have an interest in in trying to limit and do away with the independent contractor model uh, because of uh, what it means for their own uh, bottom line uh, in terms of, uh, you know, the ability to collect dues uh, and so forth. Um, you know, there are perhaps our motivations when it comes to uh, government revenue. Uh, so I think there's a lot of, you know, different possible motivations in play. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, those who are proposing this are absolutely not concerned about the well-being uh, of of the workers themselves. They have used this argument uh, to try to justify the policy, but the reality is that to the extent that there are certain unscrupulous employers uh, who intentionally, uh, you know, misclassify employees, um, which does happen. Uh, there are plenty of tools in existing law uh, to deal with that. I mean, you can go to the Department of Labor's website right now and they'll talk all about things they're doing, existing, uh, you know, authority they have to go after these 
uh, unscrupulous employers. So that's not what AB5 and this independent contractor rule uh, are about. Uh, what these policies are trying to do is they're not directed at the, you know, those unscrupulous employers who actually are misclassifying uh, their workers. Instead, they're sweeping in millions and millions of people who have chosen on their own uh, to uh, have an independent contracting uh, contractor work arrangement because that's what they prefer. That's what best suits their uh, economic interests. That's the nature of their business. That's what works best for themselves and their family and balancing life and work and the whole host of other reasons that people choose to be independent contractors. So that's what is happening with this new rule. It's, it's telling all of those people that you are not allowed to work on the terms that you have chosen. Rather, uh, you must fit into the structure of uh, W-2 uh, employment. And if that is not amenable uh, with uh, you know, your personal circumstances or the nature of your profession, then tough luck, you're out of work. Right. Well, Congressman Kiley, thank you so much for coming back on Labor Relations Radio. It's good to see you again. Of course. Great to see you, too. And thanks for uh, thanks for helping to lead this fight. Thanks, sir. You bet. So that was Congressman Kevin Kiley out of California talking about the war on independent contractors. And as always, I'm going to leave some links under the audio portion of this episode. I urge you to forward these episodes to people that you know who are independent contractors, freelancers, or gig workers, because this affects about 60 to 70 million Americans. In any case, that wraps up another episode of Labor Relations Radio. I'm your host, Peter List, and if you want to reach out, you can reach out on Twitter or X, the app formerly known as Twitter, at Workplace Report. That's at Workplace RPT. Give us a call at 1-888-668-6466 or leave a comment under the audio portion of this episode. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Oh, Black Queen, take me to that place. You have been listening to Labor Relations Radio. Hey, Labor Relations Radio listeners, this is just a quick reminder. If you enjoyed Labor Relations Radio, make sure you share these episodes with your colleagues and make sure you and your colleagues visit laborunionnews.com and subscribe to our News Digest.